All right, Jeremy, what do you have today? The bullseye is on the target. (laughs) That sounds interesting. I've got a target too. It's the FDA regulating uh, medications for cattle. You now have to get a prescription for almost everything. Oh, and Lindsey Graham, uh, he's uh, there's a warrant out for his arrest. I support that. Okay, people, let's begin. Get up, everybody! Lift off! We got lift off. Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good, because you're listening to the Truth Bait Podcast. I'm documentary filmmaker and podcaster Andrew Marcus, and with me always as we deconstruct America's propaganda war and reconstruct America's cultural narrative in our image, documentary filmmaker and podcaster. The one and only Rebel Pundit. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for Jeremy Siegel! That was the perfect, perfect intro. Yeah, it was it the perfect Siegel? That length. How or long? Or the timing right, yeah. or the whole thing? No, the, the Siegel. The Siegel. Because <laughs> for a while it was way too long. It was getting like silly long. And then it got short and wavy and weird. And that was just perfect, just oh. like that. I felt it makes me feel good, like you're happy to have me here. Uh, <laughs> I am happy. happy. I'm always happy to have you here. <laughs> it should convey that. That's good. Uh, maybe we'll just we'll lay that one off, and that's the one we'll use every time now. Yeah. Just freak, just, uh, yeah, why bother... Saying the intro. Okay, every I've thought about this show. before, and it's because it gets me rolling. It gets me going. It, you know, if I just listen to it, I may not have the same energy. Uh, and we may forget, as we always do, <laughs> with high energy to say, "Hey, everybody! If you're listening, please share the show. Please go favorite the show. Please go give it a rating. Please go give it a five star rating." And review the show. Review it at Apple Podcasts. Review it at Spotify. Review it where you listen to it. Right, I found out. I found out who gave the two star review. <laughs> yeah, I know who that was. <laughs> she corrected it. No, but you don't know who it was. Oh, I thought I did. I do. Okay, who is? No, it? it was one of my people. It was one of my people. Oh, I, I just it wanted was... to scare them and make them think I was going to out them on the show, but I'm not. I haven't looked but at I found out. Apple Podcasts in a while. But they went back and changed it. They went back and changed it. So that was good. Right. I noticed that, was that it had it was changed by the time we do. looked at it last time. And that you're right. That is exactly the right thing to do. Uh, and we appreciate that. That's dedication to go back and change it. Um, we have the greatest listeners in the world. I agree. Oh, did you hear my throat just made that noise? I think the mic picked that up. I didn't notice it. I might now I'll have to foley it in. 
my my throat. So just share the gurgle. show, everybody. Go <laughs> share my throat the show. gurgle, everybody. <laughs> yeah, forget the gurgle. Share the show. What have you been up to? Oh, I've been, uh, Mr. Marcus. I have uh, had a very good uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, solemn but with barbecue as well. So, good family time. How about you? I went to a Memorial Day service. We go every year. There's a service at the, there's a cemetery a mile down the road from our house. And the local uh, American Legion does a uh, ceremony. They shoot the rifles and play taps and stuff and honor the those fallen soldiers. How and many those years who have you been doing that? Passed away. Uh, this was this would be the ninth. Okay, I so believe, you've got that's a that's a that's a number of them in a row for you to. Uh, give some uh, perspective on the crowd size over those nine years. Has it stayed the same? Has it grown? Has it? What, what's that done? This is, this is a, yeah. Well, so this is the first stop that this group goes to. They go to three different cemeteries uh, in the morning on Memorial Day. It's every year, um, but it, it it's just it, it's not much different. There have been some years with more, some years with fewer. This is a, one the of the years of with the fewer people. Uh, it's generally, uh, I'm the only one with kids. It's usually an older crowd. Mm. Um, every now and then, uh, one of my neighbors or the parents of one of the state reps in Wisconsin, they come, he usually is there. He wasn't there this time, a Republican. Um, but usually eh, it's not a big crowd. It's a small town. I think they probably get a bigger crowd at the one in the village, but, um, I don't know. It's a, it's like a nice event. It's somber, but it's kind of sad. You know, I mean, it's, it's nice to be there. It's nice to think of these people that served, uh, but just at the, you know, the state of things, you just, you wonder like if they were here seeing things, how would they feel now? <laughs> you know, it it does, it, it is, it, there's some, it, it's nice to honor them, but then you kind of look at the state of things, and it it it's somewhat discouraging. Yeah, I have, I have that feeling every Fourth of July, and every every time I hear the national anthem at an MLB game. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like we're all Marxists. Let's have fireworks. <laughs> we're celebrating the you fact know. that we, we can don't still know get our Chinese. We can still get our Chinese imported fireworks and have a barbecue, so we're free. Yay. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways. Yeah, well, how long are we going to be able to have that barbecue uh, with the increased regulations on cattle prescriptions? You live in farmland. Have you heard anything about this? Uh, not that I'm not that I'm aware of. I have heard that uh, farmers are the leading cause of global warming lately. Well, and I would that might have something to do with what you're going to talk about. I'm sure it's all tied together. Let me play this first report that comes out of WAAF Channel 48. And this is a local report on uh, out of Alabama on the FDA regulating cattle antibiotics, antimicrobials, basically anything you used to be able to just go to a feed store and get to treat your animals. 
you now need a prescription for and you can, and you have to go to your vet to get them or they have to be purchased through your vet i suppose Livestock farmers soon won't be able to make a trip to their local feed store to get antibiotics for their animals. The Food and Drug Administration has issued a new requirement where farmers will need a prescription to get their hands on medicine like penicillin or tetracycline. Erin Beasley with the Alabama Cattlemen's Association says she believes this change is because of a shortage of antibiotics. The FDA wants to avoid having farmers hoard medicine that humans also use. This is something that's just really creating a burden for our industry more than anything because our group you know our, our producers care about their livestock they want to do what's best for them and um, you know when they need to treat cattle they've treated cattle and they've they've not done that in a way that is abusing uh, you know the, the use of the product. Randy Moody is a new market cattle breeding stock farmer. He says he understands the reasoning behind the requirement and hopes that this change will help lessen the strain of the shortage. We don't want to use up the drugs and, and build a the resistance uh, in drugs that, that we treat people with. So I think it's going to be a win-win for all of us. We're Farmers are just going to have to be better stewards of what we do. While Moody says the new FDA requirement won't affect him and his farm that much, that may not be the case for other farmers, especially with the ongoing national vet shortage. So Mr. Moody, I think, runs must run a very large farm <laughs> because he's he's a big player, I guess. He doesn't seem to be bothered by this. He just says you need to, you know, have your relationship with your vet. But there, the problem is, is that there appears to be reportedly a shortage of vets in rural areas. I mean, there are not around me. I've noticed there are. I mean, there are fewer, but they're just, it just takes longer to get from one to the other. But you know, any I dairy don't know. farmers in your area? Uh, I do not know any dairy farmers. I know some beef cattle farmers. Oh, it'll be the same thing as far so, as this is concerned. I haven't heard of this. There is a, it's with, with bees actually. There's a, there is a, virus called European fowl brood that requires teramycin, an antibiotic, and it's been, uh, as long as I've been keeping bees a few years, you've had to uh, get a prescription from a vet for that. The vets know nothing about bees or beekeeping, but you have to go there somehow convince them. You actually have to go? (laughs) You have to actually (laughs) go to the vet? It isn't... Well, that's where you pick it up. You know, the, I mean, you. I guess they, maybe they could call it in somewhere else. But whenever I get medication from the vet, I do get you take it the queen in office. to have have it examined. I have not gotten it. It's just something I'm aware of. I, I none of my bees have had this uh, disease I that, I, in the that I know room. of. But yeah, <laughs> you're your, right. Your That'd be funny. Outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it'd be great to walk in with a hive, like on a dolly. <laughs> like, can you check out my bees? <laughs> I think they have uh, European fall brood and uh, see how they look at me. <laughs> Dude, I brought an uh, extra jacket if you want to borrow it. <laughs> There's a veil you can put on. <laughs> Uh, I I wonder if the that's even aware that they're supposed to do this. Well, I mean, it is news is spreading. Here's another report out of Texas KT KLTV. 
As part of the Food and Drug Administration's five-year plan to support veterinary antimicrobial stewardship, the... (laughs) Antimicrobial stewardship. This guy's got the best broadcast voice. Yeah. As part of the Food and Drug Administration's five-year plan to support veterinary antimicrobial stewardship, the -the over-the-counter sales of livestock antibiotics will be regulated by prescription only. It's a big problem for everyone that's trying to do this. They're still encroaching on us, and I'm not happy with that, but I don't know what I can do about it. The new regulation caught Greg County rancher Buck Birdsong unaware. I was not. I was not. And, uh, you know, when you, when you have an animal that needs something like that, it's hard to run to the vet and get a prescription. It's always been the practice for most people to keep it on stock in the refrigerator. A lot of ranchers use something like this, a simple tube of livestock penicillin, which you can get over the counter at most feed and seeds. But by June, you'll have to have a prescription for it. The FDA's reasoning is that there is antibiotic resistance in humans due to overuse of antibiotics and hope this regulation will keep the same thing from happening to the food supply. Okay, so now that's two different reasons we've heard. Uh, The report out of Alabama said that it was possibly in response to shortages. And now they're saying that it's the, the, this report out of Texas says it implies the exact opposite, that it's not because of shortages, it's because of overuse, which you can't possibly have if you have shortages. (laughs) So something's going on here. (laughs) Not entirely sure Mm. what. Now Mm. I found this report that, that, well, let me ask you, why do you think it's happening? And I'm setting you, you up. T- <laughs> why do you think this is happening? <laughs> do you have your tinfoil hat handy? <laughs> yeah, here. Do you want it tight or loose? What do you want? Well, there has been... This is my initial reaction. Because my, my initial reaction usually goes straight to Conspiracyville. Uh, theoryville and <laughs> you mean is, future accurateville <laughs> i often i end up being correct but there was an antibiotic shortage i don't know if there still is but all winter uh and spring in fact my son when he was hospitalized and needed an antibiotic when he came home they called in the prescription and and then my wife called me from the hospital to ask me to call our doctor's office to see if they had the antibiotic on hand cuz our our doctor's office keeps they they have their own supply of uh pharmaceuticals to give out sometimes or to sell whatever um she said that they called it into Walgreens and they couldn't get it. And it's like, man, talk about a terror attack. Now you're like, your kids need medicine and you can't get the medicine. Um, it ended up that, that they were able to get it, but then it became, it started, bec- it never got highly publicized, but for a while there was a shortage of at least amoxicillin and some of the other common antibiotics that you use. This is like the cheapest drug that you can get. It's always been around. Have you ever had trouble getting amoxicillin? No. no. It's any I mean it, I got it when I was a kid for a few things and other people. I mean it's did you ever hear of a amoxicillin shortage? No, it was yeah, also amoxicillin Z-packs, these things are right. have I mean, generally been available everywhere. 
$12. You don't even need insurance, you know, to have to be able to afford it. Like, that's how much of it there is. So, like, how or why all of a sudden is there a shortage? Since your first report there said shortage, uh, you know, and then I'm thinking back to, like, COVID times where people were taking horse uh, dewormers. So that was what I first thought too, was that this is, this is an attack on things like ivermectin and not to say that it isn't, but specifically ivermectin is not covered by this. I don't, <laughs> dewormers dewormers I, and things like that are not covered by this. Yet. So, but here's my, so here's my take is I actually know somebody who purchased ivermectin from one of these feed stores that was for livestock for themselves, just in case they might need it. They didn't take it. What form did it come in when they did that? Is it actually a paste? Is it? I don't know. I didn't, I don't know exactly what it was. I didn't, uh, I didn't see it, but. Cause that was is, the meme this, <laughs> it was, you know, right? horse People paste on a horse paste. <laughs> Right. Horse paste will cure your COVID. Uh, it, I, Hey, I don't doubt it could have, but, um, my, my thinking is we're entering a period of time where shortages and lack of ability to obtain things that we're used to obtaining uh, are becoming more common. And if there's medicine that is used on animals and people, and people could figure out how to use that medicine, if they can go down to a feed store and buy it and figure out, it's not hard probably to find out like what, how much do should I take? Like if there's this much is prescribed for a thousand pound cow, you know, how much do I take? Um, and you've got all these global organizations preparing and warning for the next uh, pandemic that's going to come. I don't think they're worried about people hoarding these things for their animals. I think they're worried about people getting their hands on them and using them if they need Correct. to. Correct. I think that's a big, big part of it. I think there are two things at play. That's one of them. This is about preventing human beings from accessing drugs that the FDA doesn't want you to have. In the last one, in the last uh, great prevention, it was ivermectin, and it'll be something else on the next one. And you know, this I've is a preemptive traveled. move to prevent you right. from being able to go to the feed store and 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 get antibiotics you might need. And I wonder, you know, like how many of these things, certainly some drugs probably should require prescription or at least the advice and consultation of a doctor of how to use them. But like, I've traveled all over the world, different countries, different third world countries, Central, South America, Asia. Um, there was a time I was in uh, Central and South America for an extended period of time. P prior to leaving, my doctor told me, he's like, if, you know, if you ever get 
sick, like a stomach bug, which, you know, which is common when you're traveling around a lot of those places and you might get contaminated food or water or something like that, or certain uh, things happen to you. He's like, go to a pharmacy and tell them you want to get some ciprofloxin, which is another antibiotic. He's like, you're not going to need a prescription. You don't need prescriptions down there. He's like, this is how much you get. This is how much you take. And tell them you want this much and walk in and they'll give it to you. He had also done some traveling in these parts of the world. So he knew that. Happened to me. I was in the Bolivian Amazon. I got really sick from some bad eggs. I walked into the pharmacy and I bought the... <laughs> but you weren't worried about bad pills. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 well, this was after I got out. And I was back in the city in, in La Paz, Bolivia. And... Uh, you know, you could walk right into the pharmacy and get your antibiotic. I took it for a week and it cl- cleared me up and I was fine. Well, so, right. so, uh, so they, you know, they treated take, people down there better than we treat animals here, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> right. But yeah, so it's like, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you've, you know, it's not, it's not ridiculous to think that we could know and understand how to use these things. Right. And even be able to contact a doctor or find out, like, hey, uh, I can't get any of this at the store, but I'm sick with something it will cure. Right. No, people will. <laughs> How much should I take? I got go. some down at the at the local f- feeding yes. fleet. There's no question that people will seek out solutions and they will find the ones that are available. Uh, so that's, we, you and I agree. That is, I, I'm, I'm wearing the same tinfoil that you are. That this is about preemptively controlling our access to things as we encounter shortages coming in the future, which I believe are going to be intentionally created, man-made shortages, uh, because they are looking to lower population, and so they need scarcity, they need things to be incredibly expensive, hard to get. Uh, these will all calculate into whether or not you decide to have children in the future. So these are this is all part of the architecture of what they're building, the resistance to having children, uh, the other component of it being uh, their next biological attack. They don't want us to have access to medicines that could potentially help us. Well, they probably know that that's the type of stuff exactly. that will. Yes, that's what that, so, so we agree on that. There is also another element of it, and this is from a report, uh, Roughneck to Real Estate is their YouTube channel, and listen to this, because I think this is also just as accurate. This is just as much of what is feeding into this. The reason that they're doing that is because all you drug people out there are cutting drugs with uh, animal-based pharmaceuticals. So now the FDA is now hammering down. So so the war on drugs has spilled over <laughs> into the, the yeah. cattle industry? Yes. And horse industry. That drug I'm talking about that people cut with, that is a horse drug. She's talking about the drug xylazine that is used oh, yeah. in trank, which trank appears to be a combination a of meth and this horse horse sedative. Whenever you see people bent over in half, uh, it's a really bad uh, street drug. It's I've, awful. I've heard it's about destroying it. yeah. the country. It is absolutely destroying the country. So I think people take it. I heard it. It actually causes their flesh to rot. Yes, and. And they, yeah, it's debilitating. We've covered it on this show before. 
I don't think we actually ever did. I think we had intended to early on, and it was one of those ones that we never got oh, around. Oh, I would have brought it back for this. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've seen some of some of the stories on the news about about that. It's basically like Night of the Living Dead. It's just people walking around like zombies, and yeah, my my literally son, like um, wasting away. It's very sad. It's disgusting. My son describes yeah. it as they're down there looking for looking for trying to read what year the uh, is on the penny that they're looking at because yeah, it, that's, it looks it's, they just are right. staring at the ground. They are zombies. Yeah. It's so. Uh, my son has a dark sense of humor to try and deal with the dark world we're in. Uh, so I think she's. I think it's a. I think it's an extremely valid point. Um, and and then just the last thing I would play, I also found a clip. You know, when I see these subjects, I try to look for a wide breadth of narrative, what's out there, and opinion. And so I think here's a, uh, an important stakeholder listen to listen to. We've listened to media. We've listened to media uh, uh, interviewing farmers. And uh, now I want to talk to, I want to listen to some homesteaders. This is... The Cause We Can Farm to Table, K-U-Z, we, K-A-N, <laughs> Farm to Table. I don't know why it's, <laughs> there it is, Cause We Can Farm to Table. <laughs> I absolutely believe. Thank God it isn't Cause We Can Farm to Kitchen with a K, because <laughs> then it would be three Ks, and you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely believe that the government is uh, squeezing us out of being able to homestead. Um, last year, they attacked our chicken feed. Yep. All of those. Purina specifically. The one thing about the FDA imposing this where you can't um, purchase antibiotics, you have to go through a vet. So we can't just go to the store and take care of the health of our animals on our own like we've been doing for generations and generations. I actually talked to a couple of vets about this and they are angry about this because they are already so busy that this is going to flood their offices with stuff that don't need to come into the vets, right, is the issue. So we know the vets aren't happy about it. We know the homesteaders aren't happy about it. You know, the, this the is, animals aren't happy. The animals it. aren't happy. This is going to raise the cost of food because every time a, a, even just your, your bigger farms have to go to the vet to get an antibiotic, um, that costs them money. That, mu that has to be passed on. So And animals are going to suffer in the meantime. Exactly. So here's what's going to... here's. Here's one of the reasons why I actually think on the flip side of this, it's gonna be a good thing. Because those of us that are small homesteaders, um, we don't pump our animals full of antibiotics anyway. Um, I liked how he talked about going the herbal route. So there's a lot of herbs and stuff. Like I'll throw pumpkins into the goats. It's like, okay, time to be wormed. Pumpkins go into the goats. The rabbits love them too. Uh, and that deworms them. We're gonna be getting stronger, healthier breeding stock because of the survival of the fittest. We, we are weakening our livestock because we're breeding for looks or whatever. We're not breeding for health. Now, doesn't she have a point? I've always, you know, people look for meat uh, that, that, and products that aren't over cooked, you know, uh, pun not intended, that, that aren't over-processed, over-stuffed with antibiotics. 
uh, steroids, whatever else they're throwing into the animals. You know, don't people want whole foods? Wouldn't it be better if we were just breeding stronger animals and stronger lines? It's it's, it's the it's the giant mass production that demands that. It, it's the smaller producers that are in a position to produce healthier meat, healthier food. Yes, and that was not a promotion for Whole Foods, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, i i I get all of my uh, I get all of my beef and pork from directly from a farmer. Uh, I know he doesn't use any of these antibiotics um, on his animals. Uh, it's a different method of farming. You know, they don't use vaccines they don't use uh, antibiotics on their livestock and so i don't know i i've no i guess i kind of just buy into the propaganda that that's better um i haven't done the actual research myself i just know that his product is good quality and and that's why i get it from him and my own uh are we produce our own or or raise our own chicken uh, for meat here at our at our house, were you using kind of a homestead? I thought it was very interesting that they really felt specifically attacked by Purina. Yeah, and I could see how that you know I we talked about those cases yep. that was earlier in the was or is over the so winter do where do people you use Purina? thinking their food was causing their chickens to stop laying. I was skeptical about that because I. would that actually was some, I don't know if it was a brand of Purina or it was something different. I didn't recall that being Purina at the time, but, you know, Purina is a big company. I don't use it. I buy a organic. I think it's a regional company that I get. Um, I'm not sure. I don't believe it's national, but it's an organic feed uh, that I feed my laying flock. Do you ever use antibiotics on your flock? I've never used any antibiotics. Do I, people do I that? Have, is that something people do? People do, yeah. Uh, it seems less common, I think, with homesteading type people. And we kind of have a little homestead here. I mean, we're not living solely off the land, but we like to produce our own uh, food where we can. Eggs and, and chicken are two of those. You see what's happening here, Jeremy? The food that nobody's going to be able to afford is going to be healthy, finally. Yeah, I think it's kind of already it's kind of already like that, right? I mean, it's like if you want to buy, you know, if you want to buy food for your family, that and organic is a whole nother thing because you can buy organic food that's got all kinds of garbage in it that you really don't want to put into your body. But if you look um, at most packaged food that claims to be organic or whole or natural, take a close look at the ingredients and then look yeah, up some look of those what, ingredients because they're right, not. <laughs> uh, right. And there is stuff you you don't want to be eating, but, but, but stuff that's like single ingredient kind of stuff or two or three ingredients in it, when that's organic and it doesn't have, you know, chemicals on it and doesn't have pesticides on it or things like that. Yeah. I think it's healthier and I, and it costs a lot more money and it's, it's typically costs, more money to produce. Uh, we we make a choice to purchase some of those items and you know live without other things for that. Okay, so um, let's, then let's bring this back around. The FDA's move is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? 
Or is it both? Well, I th- I think it's bad because I think the we we need less of government oversight in these things and government interference. There, so you'll even take freedom the- and antibiotic stuffed beef. Well, I like I said, I so I would. It That's my, that, I mean, it's not yeah, my first, I mean, it, the, the antibiotic th- stuff well, meat is not my I first think choice. But it, <laughs> I think there are two kind of farmers out there. Okay, I mean, m- maybe three kinds of farmers, and I'm sure there are more. But if I'd break it down into there's industrial, corporate, agriculture, which are like the big Purina and Tyson and smithfield you know chinese farm chinese owned companies that are doing mass mass production and they produce food on a scale that enables the product to go to the market extremely affordable extremely cheap way to feed people and consistent but also also appears to potentially be unhealthy in the end uh then there's like then there's sort of the family farmers you know who who grew up as farmers have farms and they they do care about being good stewards of the environment the land and but can that do model use feed products eight billion people <laughs> you see what i'm saying Pro- the the, the probably mass n- market the mass probably not industrial farm probably not you, almost, you need both if you want to have eight billion it, people, I mean, now we sound like right, and we're, then now we're debating the the. the, the and limit then there's to the growth. people like <laughs> me, right? Then there's the people like me, right? Like I'm gonna try to produce some of my own stuff in the event that things do get bad enough that it becomes harder to to attain good healthy food. Then I'm taking the initiative to kind of prepare for those times. Um, and a lot of people don't have that ability, but you do have the ability to find one of those family farmers that is maybe they are using antibiotics periodically, or maybe they are using certain pesticides and herbicides periodically, uh, but but in a way that's responsible, that's not just dumping poison into the ground, but they but they see the benefit of being able to provide or produce more. Uh, you know, more product and keep it affordable. Yeah. Uh, well, look, the answer know, the, is, the answer is that freedom is the, is the better way to go. Get the FDA out of it. And usually, yeah, usually the, freedom is better. There isn't yeah. just I've, one market. There isn't just one. There is a market that requires a mass produced product. And there's markets that, that are, that don't require that. And they can afford other products the the goal should be that the that people that are you know having to that have no other choice but to consume the mass produced product that the, the the goal is to try and you know for them to better themselves and better their position and, and lift themselves out of it as as anything housing but i think this housing i think could this be the same also way. yeah i think this also shows though it's the this is the big industrial ag squeeze um that middle farmer that family farmer type guy right right this right. is going to make their business harder to operate it's going to be you know they're i but mean you think vet, tyson you should you think, start a but you chain think, of vet like of vet do you places, think man. like do you think yeah but do you think tyson or smithfield like they have a some sick chickens or some sick pigs 
You think they're going down to the vet? Oh no, they've got it to get an industrial warehouse size. No, no, they've got they've got, on, on they've, got they've got someone sitting in an office. They have a, that's they have a, vet a team of their own for vets for writing right, <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's not going to change anything with their business model. No, it just squeezes it out does, their competition. But it does squeeze out their competition and change it for the small family farmer that just goes down to the local feed store to get some medicine that they know after raising animals for however many decades in their family farm works. And I guarantee you those people are not just saying, oh, look, uh, Elsie, the cow looks sick today. Let's go get her some tetracycline and see if it works. I'm sure they're all, I'm sure they're very responsibly trying to find out and use well, it's a huge the correct every yeah, every but to head use the correct is a huge and proper treatment. Yes. Right. The, the, they don't take any of this lightly. Um so this hurts them. All right. Well, we should we should move on if there are any uh farmers, uh, people uh, raising cattle for any reason who are listening to this program, please Send us a note at truthortruthbait.com. Let us know what you think of this conversation. Uh, you know, neither Jeremy or I are raising livestock uh, uh, that require this. Uh, Jeremy uh, has bees, but they haven't required a prescription yet. Um, I still want to see him in the in a vet's office next to people with cats and dogs and birds. <laughs> I've never used it on my chickens either, but I just had a situation with my with my meat my broiler flock where they have uh something going on that it ended up turning out to be a vitamin deficiency i was able to go down to the store and find some supplements not antibiotics but they cured it um, well soon you'll need a prescription for that too but the the right the uh but we you and i are both uh, you have more experience than i and i have zero so uh, people out there who may have more experience than us <laughs> please write us and let us know um, what did you have that's on target? I think I know what story this is. What do you have? Yeah, it's on target. <laughs> that's what I thought too. I got, <laughs> I have some of that too. <laughs> well, maybe we have some overlap. I doubt um, it. <laughs> what do you have? What's the, you, you lead baby. Tar well, target. Everybody's talking about target. And, They're not and just talking about target. We like to not talk about what everybody's talking about, but you kind of have to sometimes. Jeremy, uh, it's not just Target. It's it's all you know because it's Pride Month. It's all these companies. Uh, I was I just yeah. saw in Gateway Pundit today. Chicago Pride event will feature drag dress up and makeovers for children, sponsored by Lulu uh, Lululemon. What is that? <laughs> uh, Lululemon. That is a women's exercise apparel store. Okay. A big chain. Yeah. And then Kohl's is under fire today as well. Kohl's right. is, has a whole display uh, for uh, pride for kids. Uh-huh. Well, I think uh, that you see this in all of these companies um, is part of a push uh, to to convey this perception of inevitability and you see it when you see it first with Bud Light, then with Target, then with whoever, and then it starts to just seem like it's everybody. And so that's the way it's going to be. And you, it's, it's part of the uh, way to get people to just stand down 
they get overrun with the illusion of inevitability. It's just the way that it's going to be. It's going to happen. Do you know how long Pride Month has been going on? I just asked producer GPT, so this may or may not be accurate. Uh, Pride Month began as a way to commemorate the Stonewall riots, which took place in June of 1969. Oh, wait, that doesn't tell me what month the first Pride. That just says when the event took place. See, I just recall, so I grew up, uh, my father owned a bar in Chicago, and the they have their parade that would go by, it would go down his street uh, every year. They called it the gay parade. And that, I remember it when I was a a kid. They weren't calling it the Gay Pride Parade because they, never because this. No. I, I looked up further. June maybe they maybe was they, the first one. Maybe they were, but that's nobody called it that. I mean, everybody just called it the Gay Parade, and it went by every year. But it was never like a whole. And 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 when I was a kid, it was basically just like a bunch of people marched in a parade and they had floats and stuff like that. And then over the years, it turned into a big political event. Where, where more and more every year it was led by Chicago politicians, you know, and then a lot of big companies were getting into sponsoring floats and becoming more involved. At some point in time, I think far more recently, at least in my view, it became associated probably about 20 years ago, where it was like the entire month, where the entire month became called... It would, but it didn't become gay month. It just became pride month. Right. And it's really in the last decade that I've noticed every major corporation throwing up the giant marketing banners for pride month. They all, the, the, the corporations, the politicians, as you say, they all wrap themselves in the pride rainbow June of every year for the month to market themselves and their products to that community and to and to virtue signal how how accepting and tolerant they are our big corporations aren't evil for having all of our uh, merchandise made by near slave labor in china we are good people <laughs> we're accepting and tolerant yeah, yes it's a virtue <laughs> so people are angry right people because uh they had the Bud Light thing last month where they had the transvestite guy on the beer cans or whatever it was. I never even really saw exactly what it was. Yeah, the, that- Budweiser, uh, they sent him a commemorative can for his one-year anniversary, uh, you know, 365 days of being a, a fake woman, and uh, it had his face on it. And then he did a, a TikTok or whatever, you know, promo video. Oh, my God, look at this. I got Bud Light. Whatever his you know uh, fake yeah. womanhood is, and uh, he uh, it, it blew up, and everyone went absolutely nuts and boycotted Bud Light. You, nobody's buying Bud Light uh, in Bevstock tanked. I don't know where they are now, but yeah, that was the Bud Light story. And we re- and well, I think I don't know if we talked about it on the show or not. We know that that or we think we did though. Where you've got all these same companies, BlackRock, Vanguard that are the big shareholders and it's the same thing with target and it's the same thing with all these big companies. So now target has this kid's clothing that is promoting 
what's called Pride Month, and people are, you know, I I think I think rightfully upset when they walk into a store and and feel like this uh, stuff is being pushed on their kids, so they want to. They, you see, I've, I just, I've been going through, and there's all these videos, you know, parents, mothers, different kinds of people going through Target showing what is on display. Then it came out, I saw on Gateway Pundit the other day that they had hired this marketing guy or whatever who's actually like a Satanist. Oh, so, okay. Well, to no, no, design he, their clothes yeah, or something so the, the like that? the designer. It wasn't a marketing guy. It was a des- whoever it is that designs the, the clothing line or some of the merchandise that they have is absolutely a bona fide self-professed uh, Satanist. <laughs> yes. So that, it's a, it's a, that's slightly strange, you know, <laughs> uncommon kind of thing, right? I mean, I... I I think I've probably met. They need to put an some, S in the LGBTQIA plus S for Satan. I mean, I think I've Satanist. met. I think I have. I think I have met in my life some bona fide self-proclaiming Satanists, but not because they proclaimed it to me. It was just sort of now looking back, I'm like, yeah, for sure, those people were. Uh, I think they're around, you know, but I don't think it's like they're not like so common. They're not so everywhere. It would. If I was hiring people for my company and somebody came to me that I saw a picture of this guy, he was like wearing horns on his head. I would probably not want to hire him, but that's just me. Um, anyways, so Target's under fire, right? Everybody's boycotting Target now. Do you and- know, the, and these displays have been on, have, have been uh, prominent inside of Target for years. This is not the first year that they've done this. So, yeah, and I've got somebody on MSNBC saying why he thinks that that is. Um, that. <laughs> okay, you may have the same clip I do. <laughs> All right, so I'll just go to my first clip, which is a Fox clip, because I think that the target response is sort of part of the whole play here and what target and what these companies are doing. Cause there's a couple narratives coming out with it. This is a Fox report here. Target holding an emergency meeting over its controversial pride merchandise, the damage control mode coming as it desperately tries to avoid a so-called Bud Light situation. A Target insider telling Fox News Digital, quote, we were given 36 hours, told to take all the pride stuff and move it into a section that is a third of the size from the front of the store to the back. I think given the current situation with Bud Light, the company is terrified. Outkick founder Clay Travis joins us now. Good morning, Clay. Good morning. How are you, Ainsley? Doing well. What is your reaction to this? I think it's an important message that Bud Light has sent all over the entire nation. No company's ever had to react to losing, as Bud Light is, according to current data, 28% of its overall sales volume as a result of going too far left wing, too far woke. And now I think it's not just Target. There are marketing companies 
all over the world that are having meetings with big brands and saying, let's avoid being Bud Lighted. And Ainsley, what I would point <laughs> out is great. Bud Light's overwhelming market is men. And men said, we're not going to be talked to like this. We're not going to be insulted like the former head of the marketing department inside of Anheuser-Busch at Bud Light, who said that Bud Light's message uh, had too much old school humor uh, and was too fratty. And people said, you know what? We like Bud Light. We'll just pick another light beer. What I think is... So Fox's guy here, who's the voice of reason, points out that it's men. (laughs) Just thought that was interesting. It's interesting here, and Ainsley, you're no, you know mom. what? Actually, that's I w- not true. I think most of Bud Light's market were women, right? Well, no, that, and that's what I was saying. Is I think it's like it's funny. It's like he's he's still he's he's still like complying with the with the narrative there, right? right? right. This is this is a white male patriarchy <laughs> that is why that's who's Bud Light back has to deal white right. Men these white men now he's shifting it to the moms this like the suburban moms at target want to know if moms are going to respond to target and for a few weeks or maybe even a month just go shop somewhere else and say it's clear target is disrespecting us i think in particular with these swimsuits that they're i like how he said that like Let's take a few weeks off or a month, maybe. But then once it gets out of your system, go back to Target. Um, yeah, and by the way, it's not going to happen. <laughs> the Target no, boycott is not going to work. <laughs> uh, it could, though, I think is my point. Women loved. But, okay, I'm, I may get in trouble with women in our audience. I've <laughs> noticed that women tend to love Target in a way that I never saw them love passionately Bud Light. Or Kmart. Do women love Kmart? No, I'm saying they've they've never loved Bud Light or Kmart right. yeah, as yes. much as they love no, uh, Target. Uh, Kohl's. That's the that's the other one that's doing it. I don't think right. Kmart well, exists no. anymore. Right. I'm just saying that I never knew a woman that just loved Kmart. Right. Yeah. So Target, but may Target's be the same a kind of store. A different issue. It's the same, but it's the same kind of store. Is my point. Okay. Right, but 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 again, women passionately seem to passionately love Target. You're going to make me say Target. it again. I'm gonna yes. <laughs> send your email. Anyway, to Andrew so Target, <laughs> so Target, so Target responds with, and their response is the counter narrative. And every company going far left wing. So, Clay, here is a uh, statement from a spokesperson with Target. Since introducing this year's collection, we've experienced threats impacting our team members' sense of safety and well-being while at work. Given these volatile circumstances, we are making adjustments to our plans, including removing items at the center of the most significant confrontational behavior. Our focus now is on moving forward with our continuing commitment to the LGBTQIA plus community. So... Target is saying they didn't they're not doing anything because of the boycott. They're doing it because of fear for the safety of their employees. Yes. And which is this really is a, quite a thing to say about your customers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should do that in their they should include that in their next marketing campaign. <laughs> Come shop um, at Target but but we know you're violent. Please don't hurt us. 
Yeah, please don't hurt us when you come in. We've 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 hidden all of the stuff we care about in the back of the store that we know makes you crazy, you racist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so you know that there's some gender studies classes right now that are using this as a teachable moment, you know, to reaffirm the idea that. We have an oppressive culture driven by racism. Right. Sexism, is that your MSM? Homophobia. It, are you getting to your MSNBC clip? Because <laughs> that's, I know HB. what you're going for. <laughs> um, you and I have not yeah. coordinated. I didn't know this was a story you were going to do today. I hit this story too. And I, I'm about to bet with, that we pulled the same I'm clip. I'm <laughs> sure we pulled the same clip. Um, the economic terrorism. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if anyone in the audience has seen it, but I think I just this it's it sort of spells out how the th- I think it it shows how the the thought process when people are asking like why would they do this why why are they doing this especially after Bud Light you know and they know that that people are going to boycott or they know that's going to hurt them and it's, Target stock is getting crushed. Now, whether that is going to last or not. So they're down you know, 18% on the month. They're down 12% on the year, year to date. Uh, I do think they're the still thing up they, 78% over five years. Right. But I do think the thing they have going against them right now that they haven't in the past is the success at which Bud Light has been crippled. And people seeing that is affirming the behavior of using the boycott as a tool. Now, the problem, I think, is now you see Kohl's and uh, North Face and whatever. And And I think it's important for people to just forget realize that all of these major corporations are owned by the same people. And this is by all of them are attacking you at the same time. And it's too difficult, I think, to defend that full onslaught and counter it. So you stick with one target, which is in this case, target. Forget Coles, forget whoever, for now. And you do not ever go there again, ever. Yeah, that's why I think Target's a bad target. <laughs> Good luck, man. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, you might be right. You might be you you you, you might be right. But it, it but there is all there are alternatives to it. They're different. There have to be other tactics to push back besides just boycott. But play your MSNBC clip. People need to hear this. All right. And extremism. Reporter Ben Collins, who covers disinformation and extremism on the Internet. Justin, Target, just like Bud Light, is not abandoning supporting LGBTQ issues. They have been an ally, a leading ally for a decade. It's they're they're defending them. They're defending them. But they've gotten some attack, I guess, for for pushing their stuff to the back of the store. So they're getting attacked for being uh, caving to the unwoke mob. But what they don't want to be, which is basically what almost no CEO wants to be right now, is Disney. Bob Iger is one of the only people out there who wants to go head to head with a governor. So how difficult is this? They're propping up DeSantis here. This for, for corporate America to be an ally right now. 
Stephanie, I think you actually hit the nail right on the head there. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say you're, you're an excellent economist for doing so. <laughs> Look, what does it companies want to do? They just want to sell stuff. Um, and do you- Companies just want to sell stuff. Make stuff, even stuff with rainbow flags that people want to buy. Uh, companies are happy to sell it. We do have groups all the time who protest by boycotting and that's their democratic right to do so. The thing that's fundamentally different about the current moment is in fact, Ron DeSantis and what he's doing in Florida, what he's doing with Disney. This is, I remember a time when my Republican friends talked about the problems of big government, but this is a jackbooted big government stomping right down in the middle of markets and capitalism where an earlier class of Republicans thought the government just didn't belong. Look, I, I'm with my libertarian friends. I don't want the government deciding for me what is on the shelves of Target and what theme park I can go to and what's profitable for businesses to pursue. It's funny that he's saying this is jackbooted big government. Yeah, I noticed he didn't mention the pharmacy. <laughs> right. You <laughs> couldn't help but notice. Where is the government in saying Target can't sell satanic clothing? <laughs> Great point. The government's not got anything. They're tying it to DeSantis really for no reason, except that they're saying it's DeSantis pushing Florida against some of this stuff that's driving it. Well, it's like they're moving it I, towards a narrative that is that they feel is good I, for them. Yeah, and I think it's just I think it's also they want to. They want to position DeSantis as that, as the they 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 want to set that up as the binary. So you're with them, or you're with DeSantis. Tim, these companies aren't woke. They want to sell product. They know what Gen Z wants to buy. They know who they want to employ, and they want to make the most amount of money they can. How difficult is it going to be right now? Because if you do pull back like a Target or a Bud Light or Anheuser-Busch, you're now looked at as anti-LGBTQ. I think it's really complicated for these companies, frankly, Stephanie. I'm glad I'm not in corporate PR anymore. Uh this gets this clip here gets goes is just mind blowing to me when you th and think of the context of the Tennessee shooting uh was it last month or two months ago at the Christian school uh and having to deal with this because you know what uh, I think that there are two things that they're the that they're trying to deal with right there's the political threats the ramifications is just what we're talking about about some of these Republicans who have eschewed their classical or libertarian um uh, uh economic policies in favor of a more authoritarian economic policy that threatens companies that are willing to do anything to speak out against uh the uh, you know, conservative, if, I don't even know if I'd like to use that world, but we're the more traditionalist, revanchist worldview that they're pushing. Uh, but they also have to worry about physical threats and violence. And I think this was a real issue for Target right now, right? You have these uh, uh, pride displays are at the front of the stores. And, and they even said in some of the, you know, red parts of the country, in certain parts of the country, you know, there was vandalism. Uh, there was, you know, uh, people acting rowdy in the stores. They were worried about their employee safety. And I think as Ben, I'm sure can speak to, like this radicalization chain, um, the radicalization pipeline that a lot of these folks are going down on the MAGA right and on the extremely far right is, is, 
putting uh, people in a position where they have to have legitimate concerns that there will be one-off crazy actors who get triggered by, um, you know, this the, the pride display. And in some of these states, like Florida and Tennessee, for example, that are just passing constitutional carry, you know, now they can be carrying firearms, you know, in Target parking lots, sometimes in Target stores, depending on the laws in the state. So I think that there are legitimate, you know, concerns that the companies have, uh, you know, about about that side of this equation as well. well so no, that would be a culture mentioned, war. <laughs> right, so he even mentions Tennessee, <laughs> right? You know, and do you think the Satanist who designed the Pride gear would be upset that deaths occurred because of the, their merchandise? No, I mean, I think they'd be just fine with that. Yeah. So, so he's, so, so this is now, this is a real threat that Target needs to worry about is crazy one offs coming in and blowing up a target. No, you know what? It may be actually because they're trying to provoke that, Jeremy. That is true. Uh, it does seem like that's what they would like to happen. Um, but, that's not even the biggest concern. The biggest concern, as we said, this is, I think, the economic terrorism that is occurring. This is a slippery slope because this slippery slope. <laughs> Next thing, they, you no know, s- they won't be buying crayons <laughs> or groceries. There's, there's no such thing as a slippery slope. Right. This anti-LGBTQ movement. They're not going to stop here. They want to sue every company out there that has any sort of diversity and inclusion inclusion initiative. Yeah, I think there's something really quite scary here. And um, it, it comes from the Target CEO saying the reason they were backing off is they were worried about the safety of their employees. So, look, one of two things are true. It could be they're cowards and they use that as protection and a smokescreen so that they could make a cowardly decision. Or it could be that they're actually genuinely concerned about the well-being of their employees and have had credible threats. And if that's the case, when Target caves into this, then it says that the moment you threaten the employees of even a very large corporation, you get to control its policies. This is economic terrorism, literally terrorism, creating fear among the workers and forcing the corporations to sell the things you want, not sell the things you don't. So I think it's very worrying. I do wonder that if Target has a corporate social responsibility, and here I mean beyond its commitments to diversity, I also mean to the broader business community. So That's about normalizing calling people on the right terrorists. Literally terrorism. Economic terrorism, but when leftists storm into a bank and shout, no justice, no peace, that's just protest. Right, and we don't need to worry about uh, one-off crazies getting guns in their hands and going in and shooting up churches. Right. 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 That's not part of this discussion at all. The things that have actually happened. Mm Mm-hmm that the crazies have actually done. Um, We talked about the, uh, we talked about the companies and I have a clip uh, from some guy on Twitter and I, and I lost his name, but it's a quick spelling out of uh, the, this CEI. Have you heard of the CEI? Wait, but before you do, there's something, there is something else that we should do. 
That's right, ladies and gentlemen. While you're boycotting Target and Bud Light, why don't you send us that money? Yes. <laughs> That's what you should be doing. Ladies and gentlemen, we've reached that part in the program where we have to take a break and tell you how it is we do business here. You may have heard, we don't have corporate sponsors. Target is not sponsoring us. Bud Light's not sponsoring us. Uh, uh, Whole Foods not sponsoring us because we don't say very great things about these corporations. We bring you the truth. It's the Truth Bait Podcast. And the only way to do that is we cannot have corporate sponsorship. They would want to tell us what we can and cannot say. Or let's no, let's put it this way. We would, we would self-censor what we can and cannot say because we'd constantly be afraid of losing our corporate sponsors. We've well, gone Maybe a they route. would just make us go to the back of the store. <laughs> right. Yes, that's right. We could broadcast from back there. <laughs> A smaller booth, the uh, a third of the size of what we deserve. The uh, uh, we have citizen sponsors, we have c- citizen producers. Our listeners are not just listeners; they're active listeners. They're producers of this podcast. There are a number of different ways to be a producer, a contributor to this podcast. Time, talent, and treasure. It's called the value for value model, and that is how we do things. So if you are, it's very simple. If you're listening to this program, if you think you're receiving value from what we're talking about, from our analysis, from our insight, uh, from the community that we are building here, we ask you to become a producer of this podcast, to give back, to return value. And there are ways to do that. You can, uh, it, time, talent, and treasure are the, are the three predominant ways. Uh, time involves, if you are, you're searching the web. Our listeners are pretty savvy. They're uh, uh, seeing content all the time. Send us the links. Send us content. Send us stuff. Send us segment ideas. That is that literally translates into time. You're and I've been that, getting that. You have. have you been? Yeah, I've been getting a lot of a lot more people are sending uh, sending me stuff, and we have used it. Um, I didn't get a chance to use some of that stuff today. Um, but if you did send something to me, uh, don't if you don't hear it today, don't use it as a reason to not continue to participate. It just it, sometimes it takes time to get through that stuff and find the right clips to play. So keep keep on sending that uh, that listener uh, content, listener provided content is. I think it's really great for the show and whenever possible do include like if there's if it's an hour-long program or even a 20-minute long program uh, you know send us a, a, you know hey go here in the program give us a time code uh, uh or even a, you know a note about why you like something specifically in there so that we don't have a lot of times i'll listen through the whole thing anyway but it's very helpful when i know specifically what somebody is sending me what they want me to uh what they want me to hear uh you know talent is another is another uh piece of value people can return to the show. And let me give you an example of talent because we asked for it in our previous segment. We have listeners who each have their own talents. And I believe, I would not be surprised if we have a number of farmers out there that are listening to this program. Farming is your talent. So we are asking, we need help we just did that segment, but we know that we're not experts in this, that there are other people out there who are more have more expertise and more talent in these subjects, in these fields, just from their lived experience. Uh, and that is talent that you could return as value to the program. You listen to what we had to say. Uh, write us at truthortruthbait.com. Hey, 
I happen to know specifically about this, and let me give you my right. take. That is exactly. talent. I got a message from Jason L. in Virginia, who has offered to be our uh, legal analyst oh, type consultant. Great. He's uh, some kind of attorney out there and has offered to... Uh, provide commentary if we should need it. Yes. And looking into, you know, and we're covering a lot of lawsuits and legal cases. So that's going to, I think that'll turn out to be What very kind of valuable. attorney is he? Is he like, I is it my cousin Vinny or is it, I think what are we talking corrupt, about here? I think he's a corrupt attorney. Okay, good. We'll still be able to use him. Uh, I mean, it'll still, he'll still be able to give us, you know, good content. So that's what's We important. need to check their ESG score. Yes. It's, uh, his is probably not going to be very high. Good. That's a, that's the requirement. <laughs> um. So yes. And uh, did you have more on that on on uh, on people contributing that way? Because I cut you off. No. Uh, that uh, time, talent, and treasure. Treasure. We, we're still working on that, but it's coming very soon. <laughs> and we love this week. The I feedback. swear, just like last week, it's coming. This we week. love. We we love the feedback. Um, it is. To me, the feedback is what's keeping the show going now. Just people emailing in, writing in, letting us know what you think about things, doing the reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh, doing the ratings. Um, I know we've had some listeners that started sharing the show out to their email lists, and that's making a difference. Uh, I also heard from, uh, from Todd S. in Dallas texas um he was must have been listening to us talking about desantis uh last week so he wrote in i'm not sure desantis is any different than trump trump talked tough but gave money and weapons to ukraine kept us in afghanistan longer than promised was weak on the border etc hmm uh, I know people would probably at least disagree with that last one, but uh, maybe some further explanation would be helpful. And Coulter thought he was too liberal. Well, Ann Coulter seems like she kind of jumped off the reservation a while ago. And I don't think you can put the blame on Jared and Ivanka. Also, I'm pretty sure Trump and Elon are both controlled and given a lane to operate inside of. Well, that I would agree is a possibility for sure. Uh, we've thought that, you know, Trump mm -hmm. seems, I mean, you want to love him. And then there's times where you're like, what's going on here? Um, and sometimes I really scratch. I know you have, I, I really scratch my head. I still like him. Um, but sometimes I, I wonder the last real conservative to run was Ron Paul. If he had won, he would have been JFK'd. <laughs> uh, Elon, Elon is a dirty crook, just like Trump. Well, I don't know if Elon is a crook, uh, but I definitely think he's got a globalist agenda that he wants to He was just in the news today. Control. He cut a huge deal with China, or he, he made a big commitment to China, and China just made a big commitment to him. Yeah, I saw in Tesla's stock. Yeah jumped because of that mm -hmm. uh maybe tesla is going to take over his uh electric car op or maybe china is going to take over his electric car well aren't they don't they have to be his they're his partner already in china right 
Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure every company so, has to be partnered with this. Thank with, you with uh, for the feedback, Todd. Did you see uh, somebody else wrote us about uh, DeSantis and Musk? Danny King. Oh, oh, I did see that. Uh, that came in the email. Yeah, I wanted to challenge you on Ron DeSantis. First of all, I am sure Musk assured the DeSantis people Twitter could handle 700,000 people tuning in. This is in reference to the Twitter launch that DeSantis did for his uh, campaign. That the historic was a launch. huge crash and burn. <laughs> that was a historic launch. It was definitely, a, it was historic. Uh, people will be talking about it for many years. Um, I'm sure they didn't say no way they could handle it, and DeSantis said, okay, we will do it anyway. I also think he was trying to give Fox and the mainstream media the middle finger. He did do interviews after that with Ben Shapiro and Trey Gowdy. <laughs> okay. On Fox. <laughs> Trey Gowdy's on Fox. <laughs> I think he gave some really good answers. I think just because some uh, someone... Uh, or some someone doesn't come across good on TV doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to their substance and what he has done in Florida. I, that's valid. Uh, when you played the clip on DeSantis about COVID, I don't think that was fair. It was at the beginning of COVID and no one was sure what was happening. When he did find out, he changed his ways and Trump went ahead for the rest of his term stumbling through it. Stay baited, Danny King. Thank you, Danny. Stay baited. Uh, so, hmm. I think it was totally fair. I think it was fair. I think that, and I did I say understand that he was Dan's the second governor there. to turn right. it around. I actually went and re-listened to okay. that. And I'm going to defend Mr. Marcus. <laughs> Thank you. I think it was a completely fair, fair uh point to make i think you also were quite fair in excusing or you know saying how things actually happened i think the point you made at the beginning of that before you played the clip was that how quickly these stories and things get burned into our memories yes whereas now desanta's is being marketed and promoted as the greatest champion of freedom in the history of the world because he, you know, opened up the state or he kept the state open. And the his implication COVID here position. Is, uh, from Danny, uh, Danny, write back and tell me if I'm incorrect on this. The implication is as if, as if the virus had been dangerous enough, it would have been okay to be draconian and suspend our constitutional rights. And I just don't think that's. True. Right. I don't think that's and right. I think a lot right. And I think a lot of people make that case. And definitely there's like a lot of anybody that, you know, participated in closures or lockdowns. And then this was a big thing that went on in the church communities where should we close or shouldn't we close? The government's saying we're not, you know, uh, necessary, but liquor stores are. Um, you know, and so you you want to excuse people for um you know, maybe acting out of fear, so to speak. Um, but isn't but at the our same constitution time, and our government supposed to be a check towards that, against that I, human impulse to, to reactive fear? 
I think so. And I think that's why it was a fair point that you made. And I, and again, I think the greater point was, was that we've sort of now been, it, there's been so much propaganda pushed favoring DeSantis and, 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 and not just promoting, but also like I just played a minute ago where the left is attacking DeSantis, that attack serves as promotion. Yes. Also, um, but 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 so Danny's correct so though much about of Trump. Trump, Trump, and and you and totally. I have never been shy and I, about no, about and this I issue. think we yeah I think we agree I think we agreed Trump was was really brutal I think yeah he made a COVID. lot of big mistakes on this one uh, but my point then also uh, was not defending Trump but saying that I think in the end Trump is going to come out ahead on this issue because while Trump made a bunch of uh, either mistakes, intentional or unintentional or wrong decisions, intentional or unintentional, he didn't lock down the States. The governors did. And DeSantis did. Now he was one of the first to. Yeah, but he tied uh, to Fauci and bricks. He's got a major problem. Yeah. So and these and, and Operation Warp Speed. He's these are big, these are going to be legitimately big issues for him. Absolutely, absolutely. But what I was saying and is, DeSantis I think has to overcome the fact that his uh, so much of his base, Jeremy, his that that failed launch, and and everyone said, oh, he raised eight million dollars in twenty four hours. He raised a lot of that money from major donors before the launch, <laughs> before the right. Twitter event. So. That's to the the response of his most ardent followers, his devoted followers, is actually that's the biggest turnoff I've encountered in everything from DeSantis. To me, it completely feels like all of the never Trumpers who were so bitter and ugly. They're the ones who are the, the core of DeSantis's support, it would seem. They had no objectivity on the Twitter failure. They had none. No, it, it was, was a total spin machine, and it shows you what you're going to get. It yeah. shows you what you're going to get with DeSantis. And that was the you're biggest turnoff, Ron. You better, go, you better get a check on those people, because that is what's going to prevent you from ever having a Trump supporter entertain voting you for are you, going because you are now, spun. you look like the never-Trumper man. Right, and you are going to get spun, and you're going you're gonna to see, as far as he goes... There's gonna you're gonna see the spin machine happen just like this. They're gonna be ready to take his blunders and turn them into wins, and that's politics. But it's I think the point there is uh, he's not somebody different. He's not somebody fresh or new. Anyways, uh, thank you, Dan. I yeah, think thank Andrew you. Was, I it, think Andrew was fair. Uh, William Odell also uh, wrote into us. I, do, I I don't have anything to to play from, but I just wanted to. Uh, make sure to note that he wrote us as well. He sent us a, a number of clips. I have not uh, uh, had a chance to look closely at them yet, unfortunately, but I will be after today's episode. But I wanted to just, you know, give a hat tip. Thank you for writing in, because thank you okay. to everybody for writing in. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. Uh, thank you for sending stories. Keep it going. And definitely keep sharing the show. It's the most important, the most critical uh, thing I think that anybody can do at this point is just keep spreading the word. And uh, 
I did you have anything else? Nope. I go back into yeah. My what did you have? You had a Twitter here. clip that you were going to play from just a, the, the Target the, story. Uh, this yeah. So this is sort of kind of spelling out. I think the response of why. Uh, even though I don't always like to focus on the why, but what, you know, when people ask how can they do this, can't they see this is going to hurt them? And, You're about to play the other know. clip I got on this story. You you have both clips of mine. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Let's see. I don't know. This is just a short one. It's obvious. It comes from something longer that I don't have the whole thing, but I just saw it fly through Twitter here. Of a much bigger threat. Let me explain. Target's largest shareholders are Vanguard, State Street, and BlackRock. These corporations support the Corporate Equality Index or CEI. This is a rating system for how much American businesses support the LGBT community. If Target CEO does not support the LGBT community well, then he's not going to be re-elected by the shareholders. So sometimes corporations like Target push LGBT marketing campaigns, not because they particularly want to or it's good for profits, they do it for a high CEI score. So they face a backlash, maybe they lose a little money. Failing to get a high CEI is way more scary. Um, yeah, that was. I have the longer clip that that came from. <laughs> okay, did I miss anything no, important, the, or is that good the, enough? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, their biggest shareholders are these uh, investment companies, and so your four hundred one k is supporting Target while you boycott it. Uh, I guess it puts you in a little bit of a pickle. This CEI score for people who don't know is the Corporate Equality Index. Right. And as he explained, um, that's the score you have. It's like your social credit score for your business. And whether that BlackRock is using. BlackRock and Vanguard, they're the ones that are using that score. They worked and with that, the World I Economic think, Forum to invent it. Right. And that stems also from, have you ever heard of the business roundtable? Yes. Do you know what the business roundtable is? Uh, not enough. You might know more. Enlightened. I don't know that much, but the business roundtable, it's, uh, it is, uh, it's just a, it's a big group of corporations and companies around the country, and uh, I asked producer have, GPT if you want me to read that. Okay, what do they got? The Business Roundtable is an association of chief executive officers from major corporations in the United States. It was founded in 1972 and is based in Washington D.C. That's. <laughs> that's, huh. Well, that's how you get fascism. <laughs> you don't. You don't say. <laughs> the organization is comprised of CEOs from over 200 leading U.S. companies representing a diverse range of industries. The main purpose of the business roundtable is to promote the interests of its members, companies, of, of its member companies, and advocate for policies that they believe will contribute to the growth and competitiveness of the U.S. economy. There's more. So, that. a few years ago. The business roundtable revised their uh, statement on the purpose of a corporation. Did you ever see the jerk from <laughs> Steve Martin? <laughs> no. <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the themes of that film, which is a very funny film, people need to go see it before it's canceled and never allowed to be seen again because a white 
Steve Martin. Uh, <laughs> the first line of the movie is, I was born a poor black child. <laughs> he was adopted by a black family in the rural South, and they're dirt poor, and he doesn't know he's white. <laughs> um, but he, he goes out into the world, and his whole goal is, is I'm going to go find my special purpose. <laughs> that's his whole thing, is finding his special purpose. Uh, and that's all I could think about when I read about the, the round table in 2019 issuing a new statement on purpose of the of a corporation the, the new special purpose of a corporation so the statement uh, Americans deserve an economy that allows each person to succeed through hard work creativity to lead a life of meaning and dignity we believe the free market system is the best means of generating good jobs strong and sustainable economy innovation a healthy environment and economic opportunity for all businesses play a vital role in the economy by creating jobs fostering innovation providing essential goods and services businesses make sell consumer products, manufacture equipment and vehicles, support the national defense, grow and produce food, health care, provide health care, generate and deliver energy and offer financial communications and other services that underpin economic growth. While each of our individual companies serves its own corporate purpose, we share a fundamental commitment to all of our stakeholders... Uh, we commit to delivering value to our customers, investing in our employees, and these are just sort of their big bolds. They they go on. But are you going to give our for, producer credit for sending us this? For brevity's sake, sure. Yeah, thanks, GPT. No! <laughs> our executive producer, Anne, over, oh, over in your living room, Anne. sent us this. Yeah, she did. Um no, I wasn't. I forgot. She just insisted that I talk about it, so I am. Um, but you're right. Thank you, Executive Producer Anne. I had no problem um, with this with this statement. It actually sounds very pro free market. Um, up until there's one word that they use that gives away the game. Uh, dealing fairly and ethically with our suppliers. Supporting the communities in which we work, generating long-term value for shareholders who provide the capital that allow companies to invest, grow, and innovate. Right. None of that sounds bad. Delivering value to our customers, that's, yes, they should be doing that. Investing in mm -hmm. our employees, of course you do that. Dealing so where's the red flag for you? It's in the next line, underneath all of those bullet points. <laughs> Each of our stakeholders... Is essential. Is essential. Stakeholders, and if you remember, uh, it was it was I don't know if it was the last episode or a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the Club of Rome and Klaus Schwab, and it was the World Economic Forum that ushered in the idea of stakeholder capitalism, which means right. it's it's a code word. What it means is that no longer is the uh, legal fiduciary responsibility of the company to return value to the shareholders, i.e. the owners, it is now that they have to return value to all stakeholders, 
Which, as they say, we commit to deliver value to all of them for the future success of our companies, our companies, and our country. Yeah, now, listen, a stakeholder is Al Sharpton and Rainbow Push and their uh, uh, protesters who will storm into a department store and occupy it saying, no justice, no peace. Those are stakeholders. Individual so conservatives. <laughs> right. <laughs> but an individual conservative who uh, who's part of a boycott of, of of Bud Light or of Target, they're domestic terrorists. They are literal, literally terrorists. So Not a I, fi- I did find a clip from kind of when this happened on CNBC uh, a few years ago, and it uh, has that. I forget that one guy, Joe. What's his name with the with the orange hair? Uh, you know who he is on CNBC? Mm, no, ah, I forget his name. Anyways, he's he's sort of pushing back on this idea um but the guy he's interviewing is kind of i don't see how he handles it and we also want to talk about uh the role of uh, corporations after the business roundtables change in language uh, that said the purpose of a company is about more than maximizing shareholder value here's brt ceo josh bolton on cbs's face the nation yesterday the purpose of a corporation is to serve all of its stakeholders, its customers, mm-hmm. its employees, its communities, and its shareholders. But it means taking care of all of your stakeholders, because in the very long run, you can't take care of your shareholders unless you've taken care of your customers, employees, and communities as well. So that's the kind of the gist of what this roundtable uh, changing the statement and purpose was is it is it's it requires this active participation and to I I don't know how to explain it. he this CNBC puts puts it into better words here these uh, I, I don't know is this new uh, that's a new concept that that that. Um, that CEOs should, you know, should think about customers, should think about employees, should think about communities. What have they been doing all along? They've been slashing, burning, and just, just, just I don't greedy think, profit mongers? Or? I don't think it's a new concept, but I think articulating it from the BRT when the statement was so sharply focused just on shareholders before was a big change and important. I mean, to, your, to the, what you just said, Go back to someone like Indra Nui, a dozen years ago, sets performance with purpose is the underlying direction for PepsiCo, delivers excellent performance over more than a decade, but does it in a fundamental way that connects to other stakeholders. I think we've seen CEO after CEO over many years, and particularly in recent years, recognize that articulating purpose clearly, framing it against a multi-stakeholder environment creates more shareholder value in the long so term. What if, what if she had not had good shareholder performance and, and, and it had lagged? How would Pepsi be positioned to, to fulfill its social responsibilities of if it course. wasn't as profitable? I, I think somehow this discussion, at least as I've read some things, has lost track. This wasn't an or statement. You can either do this or that. It's an and statement. If I said to you, should you have profits or growth, you, to any CEO, not to you, to any CEO, they'd say, well, that's a false statement. You need profits and you need growth. And my job as CEO is to lead my organization to deliver both. This is an acknowledgement, not about do you get to focus on shareholders or on other stakeholders. You need but to it, focus it, it, on it shareholders. It does imply that there is a problem with, with just purely uh, profit incentives and, and shareholder value. 
when it's framed. That there was a, that there was a problem. Do you, let me just ask you, do you think that the profit incentive runs counter to communities and counter to employees and counter to, to these interest groups, that these other uh, parties that you're talking about now? Do you think the profit incentive is actually a negative for them? I think that the profit incentive with single-minded focus and not recognizing the interest of other stakeholders can run counter, and I think it can lead to very much a short-termism attitude. I mean, you saw the, and, the, and I you think saw the Wall Street Journal's editorial, I guess, right? And, and Milton Friedman. A short-termism attitude. Uh, do you kind of get what he's saying there? He's saying we need to do these things, and this is a few years ago, but he's, he's saying that we need to do what Target and Bud Light are doing right now to fulfill the purpose of the corporation, that those communities are stakeholders and to achieve the, the maximum value, they have to do these things because they're looking at more than just their shareholder value as far as their total contribution to society. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's the premise. At the end of the day, these companies, for the most part, this is all self-preservation. If they think that the key to self-preservation is to is to turn their entire store into a rainbow flag, that's what they're going to do. If they think that their key to self-preservation is taking all that rainbow stuff and putting it in the dumpster out back and lighting it on fire, that is what they will do. <laughs> so, I think the key to all this is getting the getting the incentive structures back in line, <laughs> back in in uh, aligned with free market principles. Well, and so here's the thing, right? It's like it's like, you know, who decides? Who decides who the stakeholders are? You know, who decides these things? And I think that goes back to the last Well, the stakeholders video, are everybody right? who's in a special group. Right, but it's but but basically it looks like it's it's up to these companies like BlackRock, Vanguard, and uh who's I forget the other the third one that own the majority of shares of all of these corporations and they say this is what we're going to do right now and you're going to go along with it or we're going to lower your cei score not to be just i want to be accurate they don't own, none of those companies they don't own the stocks they manage the portfolios so it's it really what this is this is this comes down to the american consumer the american shareholder who wants to be on autopilot? Who doesn't want to pay attention to these things? Well, okay. Right. I hope you're entertained on your iPhone. And the statement on the purpose of a corporation, uh, you can get this on the Business Roundtable's website, brt.org slash our commitment. And it's got, looks like about 200 signatures of almost every major corporation that you know of from Apple and Abbott to uh, Eastman Chemicals, Boeing, Hearst Corporation, Macy's, MetLife, Carlisle, MasterCard, <laughs> it's all of them. <laughs> 
you know, um, Target, Striker, Home Depot, Texas Instruments, Lockheed Martin, MasterCard, UPS, Card, United Airlines, Union NASDAQ, Pacific, Visa, <laughs> SAP, Walmart, <laughs> Texas Instruments. Here. Okay. Visa. We, <laughs> so we're not going to boycott them all. <laughs> we could easily boycott Xerox. <laughs> I think I mean, almost Light everybody was already for, does. <laughs> Bud Light was easy for me because I don't drink beer anymore. But um, Walgreens, you know, that's kind of what yeah, I do. Going to that's sort of always, right. That's sort of always my strategy on these things is is to pick the ones that you that you can do easily. You know, I mean, I I can easily avoid Starbucks, and so I don't go there. But uh, you know, there's some places you got to go. But I can tell you, I think you're right. Mr. Marcus, the target's tough hill to climb, but I do think it's doable if people really commit and understand what they're able to accomplish. What people need but to do it, is turn June into a do not buy month. Go buy yeah. your things in May, go th- buy your things in July, avoid right. all of these corporations in June. I think for that all, actually yeah. is the best way to that do it. That would be a big one. I think and that plan would be for a next big year, one. Because this is coming right. next year. It's going to happen every year. It's been happening every year. We act surprised every year. Yeah. Well, I you think and I that's don't, a good but. one. I think you could also pick a day of the week, you know, where you don't shop on until they change the way they do things. But until then, I think. Keep staying out of Target. Do not go back. Don't go to Target. Just go to any other store to get your things. And don't go to Target until they go out of business. And then you pick the next one. Should I return everything my wife bought at Target yesterday? Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I can't. What am I going to do? <laughs> I need to be able to live here, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should take her car keys away unless I, she promises not to go back. I did. Yes. That, that sort of, <laughs> that tactic works very well for me. The, the, uh, I did sit her down though, uh, to, uh, explain to her what was happening at target, uh, so that we could both have a good laugh at American culture today. She does. I hope get she's it. listening. She does get it. But this is what I'm saying. She gets. I it. hope she's she, listening. Does she, she listen? Does she listen to the show? Not once. <laughs> no, <laughs> she does not. <laughs> you have to understand. This show has been the best thing that ever happened to her. <laughs> she doesn't have to hear ninety percent of my rant anymore. <laughs> now it all comes to this audience, to you and this audience. Uh, so you know so what she, my wife loves to plug about back into it. <laughs> what my wife loves about the show is when she listens to it she's usually around me or i come in the room and then she pauses it one time the first time she figured it out she was listening and then she wanted to make a point and she hit pause and she's like hey this <laughs> is great <laughs> <laughs> if i want to talk i can just pause you now <laughs> yeah uh my wife uh i don't i'm not going to speak to her beliefs but i i don't think that she's uh, in the market for anything that's in that in that department. Uh, I'm going to share the show with her. Is that okay? Can I share? Can I share the show? Can I share the show with her? Yes. <laughs> yes, please share the show with her. Um, uh, you know, she, I think she is turned off by all of this culture war stuff. I think that's how, that's most people's reaction is to be, to just throw up your hands and go, ah, this is insane. And she's got, 
her own very busy life that she is focused on. And so she tries to not even focus on any of this, which translates into, of course, she's going to go to Target. There's a lot of stuff at Target she'd like to get. I don't blame her. It's a big store with a lot of stuff centrally located. I already avoid Target for the most part for the same reason I already avoid Whole Foods and and a lot of these corporations because I'm I'm tired of all this stuff from China. Uh, this Jeremy, this is what blew me away about that's this story. Such a, that's such a cop out for a Jeremy, economic no, no, no. terrorist uh, like right, yourself. Exactly, exactly. As I'm watching this story unfold, and I'm seeing everybody holding up these garments and these things, and they're all outraged by it. Okay, great, you're outraged by it. Nobody was outraged by the other component of this that they should be is that all those tags say originated in China, made in China. Yeah. Uh, 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 so, ladies and gentlemen, if it's not pride stuff and it's all made in China, that should bother you too. You should be boycotting China for that right there. And can I just call out the LGBT community? You've Hypocrites, you gigantic, scummy hypocrites, okay? You hey, don't care that you have near friendly. slave labor in China making your goods. You're totally fine with that. You ride on the suffering, you ride on the backs of suffering Asians so that you can use this stuff here in America to vilify America as this evil country. Take a look in the mirror, LGBT. You are the evil ones. That's- you need to go to China personally and apologize to the slaves there. Because you are enabling this for your virtue signaling. Thank easy you. for that's, you that's to it. easy <laughs> for you to mansplain. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If I'm still allowed well, to identify as a man, <laughs> I'm gonna send that rant into MSNBC. <laughs> that, and that is why we do not have corporate sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think we're over the target. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm boycotting Target. I'm boycotting LGBT. Boycotting everything. But I'm not boycotting the Truth Bait podcast. And this was another successful one. Thank you, Jeremy Siegel. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I hope you tune in Friday when we bring you a brand new episode of the Truth Bay Podcast, which we bring to you every Tuesday and every Friday without fail. To the best of our ability. Thank you, Jeremy. Any last note? Any last thing you want to say? What's our, what is our word of the day? What was our word? What was our secret oh, word last time? Do you time? know somebody told me that we should, uh, we have to put the secret word in different places? Because are people Be- cheating and just skipping to the end <laughs> listening Some, to the secret word because, in our closing? Yep. Somebody <laughs> told me their wife skipped ahead oh. to listen to the secret word. Actually, I don't mind that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Hey, if you're that into the secret word, that's good. I encourage people to skip ahead and then go back. And that's fine. As long as you share the show. I think the secret word should be... Hmm. Horse paste. word is horse paste. And if you are the first one to write in horse paste, (laughs) you will win a lifetime 
supply of horse paste. Yeah, but in today's world, they're shortening our lifespan, so it's really <laughs> not, it's not as sweet as it sounds. But we can afford it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And now, back into the sea of clickbait with us all.